Pharmacy Podcast Network's coverage of the NASP 2023 Annual Meeting and Expo. This is Specialty Pharmacy's premier event. This three-part series will feature industry thought leaders and healthcare veterans from around the country who come together to shape and change the future of specialty pharmacy and the patient journey. To learn more, visit the NASP at naspnet.org. That's naspnet.org. And now, here's part two of the three-part series with our host, CEO of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, Todd Yuri. You know, in 2016, I attended the, I think at the time it was called the Armada Health Conference, Armada Health. And they're now known, of course, as Assembia. What an amazing organization. I actually see them over here in the trade show. And I met Jonathan Levitt, and he blew my mind because he was one of the only lawyers that really, like, got different facets of what specialty pharmacy was doing at the time. Jettison ahead what it's been like eight years Jonathan, you're always where specialty pharmacy is. Welcome to the show. Oh, Tom, thank you so much. Thank you for those kind words. So I've been paying attention. I even made it hashtag, hashtag, leave it to Levitt, because it, uh, it was known that you were providing solutions for a lot of organizations that just didn't understand how to navigate the complexities of rare disease, specialty medications, DIR fees, different things that were happening. Tell us what you think of the future of specialty pharmacy right now and what you've, um, what you've seen over the years. Well, you know, you mentioned uh, 2016. I think Caremark came up with DIR fees in January 2016. So when we saw you at Armada at that time now, Sandia, we were trying to understand where DIR fees fit in terms of federal law. And we just returned to the roots. The federal any willing provider law applies to every specialty pharmacy at this conference. They all have the right to reasonable and relevant terms and conditions. It's really that simple. And so what we've done in the last uh, seven years since then is we've collected hundreds of millions of dollars for specialty pharmacies uh, that are challenging DIR fees imposed by PBMs. And we really do keep it simple. We keep it simple on the law and also the clinical and factual analysis. We just look at, well, how are you judging the pharmacy's performance? If it's based on adherence, let's see that data. If it's based on medication possession ratio, what's the numerator? What's the denominator? Let's pull some patient files and check it out. I think that the ecosystem of what happened after DR fees were implemented, nobody saw the cascade. Nobody saw the dominoes crashing, destroying some of our community pharmacies because they just couldn't keep up. When I think of specialty and I think of rare disease, I think that's even more sensitive. I mean, not that your care and community isn't important, it is, but for somebody with a rare disease and they need their medication and it's disrupted by payment, that's a travesty. And I mean, if you look at some of the rare disease states, uh, these specialty pharmacies that, that are, have such great clinical acumen that they get access to these drugs, there's, there's usually a pretty small margin um, in terms of the finances, and they have to lay out so much money for the drugs. So then some of the PBMs will say, we're gonna charge you a deal, we're gonna take back 10% of the point of sale, but don't worry about it, you can get it all back if you do really well in adherence for hep C, HIV, and MS. And some of these rare and orphan disease pharmacies, they don't do any of that. So they have no ability to earn that 10% back. To us, that is punitive and not consistent with federal law. Reasonable and relevant terms and conditions. How is it relevant to an orphan disease pharmacy, how well they score on adherence for, for hep C, MS, and HIV when they don't do that? Yeah. All right, so listeners are listening. They understand the challenges that they're facing. They want some assistance. What's the best way to reach out to you and your firm? Uh, 
Fryer Levitt, we're pretty much all over the specialty industry. They can reach out to me, Jonathan Levitt, jlevitt at fryerlevitt.com, F-R-I-E-R-L-E-V-I-T-T. Or uh, I'll be around, I'm the bald guy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's the good looking bald guy. Yeah. Hey listen, <laughs> if, if anyone's listening and you need to get a hold of Fryer and Levitt, I've known these guys for years. This is a great team. Reach out to Pharmacy Podcast Network. We'll get you in touch with them. Regardless, Jonathan, I'd like to hear more of what you're doing in specialty pharmacy in the future. We look forward to having you back. Thanks, Al. Congratulations to you and, and what you've grown over the last six, seven years. It's been very cool to watch. Thank you so much. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Fellow Pittsburgher, Jonathan Orgachak is here with Stack with me at NASP 2023. Nice to see you, John. Nice to see you too, Tom. All right, so let's talk specialty pharmacy. Stack came out of your design and, and workflow of what you understood in specialty pharmacy directly, and then it became its own thing. Kind of share with our um, listeners a little bit about that, and then you have some surprises to kind of share with us too of what you're prefacing and what's coming. Yeah, absolutely. So we, as you mentioned, we started the Stack experiment. Uh, probably going on four years ago now, uh, at NASP. That was when we first launched. And we took it as that opportunity to say, pharmacies are wildly inefficient on the back of the house. Mm -hmm. So why don't we create some standardization about what that should be? So that way, the money that is limited, the money that is continually decreasing from a reimbursement perspective, you're not spending more on personnel assets you can leverage some technology to make yourselves more efficient. So yep. we've uh, we've really grown that offering over the last couple of years and continue to partner with folks that are doing some really, really good things in the industry just to connect all of those dots. And that's really kind of helped us to take that next leap, which is on the patient-facing side of things. So um, earlier this year, we actually launched a patient management software or workflow software, which we call OnCue, hmm. and it ties right into any dispensing system, pulls data from the claim, and uses that to intuitively build out how you should be taking care of that patient along the journey. So create intake tasks, create PA tasks, create clinical assessments, you name it, it's fully customizable down to any little characteristic about that patient. And so it's helping to create some really cool, meaningful outcomes data and more importantly, make the pharmacies themselves a heck of a lot more efficient. That's excellent. So does it tie also into Stack as well? That's uh, on on the horizon. On the That's, horizon. Yes. You know, we're, uh, we, we launched it earlier. We're trying to get it into as many hands as possible. So that way we're showing the value, we're showing critical mass. And then uh, you know, the eventual goal is to integrate the two. I ask a question on the on-queue side of a patient, but it helps me be compliant with my payer contract on the stack side, mm -hmm. why don't the two just talk nicely together and aggregate all that data? So, How would a specialty pharmacy that's listening to this post show that's curious to understand on Q, how would they get a hold of you? So you can uh, go to our website. It's www.onqueue.io. And there's a link right on there. You can read more about what we offer. You can click a button to set up a one-on-one -on -one demo. And uh, actually coming out of this meeting, we're going to start our uh, monthly webinar series once again. We used to do educational webinars through the pandemic and everybody got Zoom fatigue <laughs> and uh, stopped showing up. So we're doing that again now really with a focus on the on-queue piece of things just to raise some awareness about what opportunities and what options are out there for pharmacies. Fellow Pittsburgher, Jonathan, I've been watching your career forever and 
proud of what you've built uh, and what you're building. Um, a shout out to our specialty pharmacist out there. If you want to learn more, uh, please reach out to Jonathan. Thanks so much, Todd. I appreciate you having me. One of the reasons that I get excited about coming to the NASP here in Dallas uh, this year, it's gonna be Tennessee next year, is advocacy. Advocacy for our profession, for our pharmacists, but more importantly for our patients. Julie Allen, you do this all day long where you work in, um, in, in the state uh, capital here in obviously in Texas, but also in Washington, D.C. to assure that you're advancing and um, educating politicians on policy and what's happening and how that impacts patient care. Introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and why you feel advocacy and specialty pharmacy is so important. Well, it's so great to be here and I love an opportunity to talk about what NASP is working on from an advocacy perspective and the good work of its membership. Um, as you know, NASP represents the whole channel of specialty pharmacy, so they have a really powerful voice to bring to very active discussions right now about how do we lower uh, costs of care for patients, how do we ensure access to specialty medications, and how can specialty pharmacies in particular work to improve care and reduce costs for the government and, and others. So NASP has long led uh, a national discussion on how to ensure that patients can afford their care and um, and receipt of their drugs and to ensure that pharmacies are able to continue to stay in business and provide the services that are necessary to support those patients. And NASP is leading a national effort right now with legislation that's being discussed on Capitol Hill. Um, Congress has been very actively focused on PBM reform and there are some key issues that need to be addressed to preserve and protect specialty pharmacy and NASP is leading that effort. So I know in January, I don't know what the name of it is happening, but DIR fees are kind of changing a bit. Community pharmacies are extremely stressed out about it where it's being at the point of sale, they're taking some type of percentage or money or something. How does that impact specialty pharmacy? So DIR fees, which are fees that are typically clawed back from specialty pharmacies, have grown considerably over the last 10 years. Uh, the latest statistics from the government are DIR fees have grown by 107,000%. It's almost like a number that you think is made up, right? right? Um, and it's, it's startling. We're seeing you know, increased consolidation in the market as a result. You know, specialty pharmacies are having to make very difficult decisions about the drugs they're able to dispense. So we've hit a breaking point on this issue, and uh, that is absolutely why NASP is leading federal legislative efforts to rein in those fees and to ensure that pharmacies are reimbursed at a reasonable level that recognizes the level of service that specialty pharmacies provide to patients. Uh, and that ensures that they can stay in a network and be accessible to patients. Patients have a right to access a specialty pharmacy of their choice, and these fees are undercutting that. Yeah. 
Well, I want to have you back on the PBM Reform Podcast, which is a podcast we started in 2019, and it's a collection of all the subject matter experts that are in the profession, including some of our politicians. People like Antonio Chacha has been one of our reoccurring guests, but I think we would love to have a specialty pharmacy um, kind of episode around that. So I'm going to invite you back on, and I'll be following up with you after the conference. Sounds good. Happy to be enjoying you. Thank you. All right. Thanks. If I come to the NASP and I don't see Louise, I'm going to be very upset. So you're kind of like one of those reoccurring guests that have to come on for us to really validate the whole show. So we're here with Louise Rodriguez. Todd, I can't believe that that's true. It is. Like, no way. Sheila's like, hey, before you start the show, make sure you have Louise come in and give I his. doubt that. I love Sheila, but I <laughs> bet you she did not say that. Welcome <laughs> to NASP 2023. Thank you. We're uh, very excited about the show this year. I don't know if you've looked around, but it's a record attendance year. I noticed that there's definitely more people in the hall. Yes. So I'm I'm thinking that you they, are correct. They smashed it this year on, you know, predicated on how really good the continuing ed programs are uh, at this show, at this meeting. And I don't know if you've looked at the, the roundup, but it's incredible. Have you looked at the faculty's page? I have. It just it's keeps most going. of the book. I yeah. stopped turning pages after page two. Yeah, this is the place to be, man. It really is. So I think that's a reflection on the expansion of specialty just in general. Right. There's a lot of health systems that are now adopting and building out their own divisions and specialty. There's community pharmacies that are realizing that they have to get more involved. There's senior care services that know that there's rare diseases affecting our seniors. So Yeah, it's been a trend for a while, but it, it, they're showing up here to get the information they need to share and trade, uh, you know, and lift the whole industry up. What's your call out though to people that maybe weren't able to attend, they're listening to the post show. What do you say to people that do want to get into specialty and, and how to navigate that? Well, I mean, I'd always encourage them to come to the show. Something about a dedicated, immersed learning experience is uh, almost a guarantee that your attention and, and, and its benefit to you will linger. But even in the event that you can't come, you know, we're all running businesses and taking care of patients. Uh, you can go to nasbnet.org. There are resources through the Specialty Pharmacy Certification Board. There's always assets and ongoing e-learning and opportunities with webinars. Uh, if you can't come, that's fine, but do be a member. Do avail yourself of all these resources and then and know that uh, through all of this, NASP ends up being a champion for the industry, which really means a champion for the patients you serve. Absolutely. So I'm thinking of pharmacists listening who maybe want to get more involved in specialty. There is now a course or accreditation that can certify you based on what NASP is kind of designed. When did that come out? Do you remember when the certification came out? Was it two years ago? Well, if I if I gave it a timeline, there's a chance I would be inaccurate, but it's been a few <laughs> years. And, uh, you know, how it's engineered is that there is a sizable uh, and active clinical outcomes committee. There's a patient metrics and measurements committee. There's an education committee here at NASP. The 
information that comes out of those volunteer groups, and you know, these are groups of anywhere from 30 to 80, like the technology group is enormous. Uh, they contribute their knowledge. That flows into you know, more information, more targeted uh, curriculum development and other things through the Specialty Pharmacy Certification Board. You know, they don't necessarily engineer the curriculums, but they inform it so that it's driving your specialty pharmacy in the right direction. You've been elected to the board for the second or third year now? This is my second term, so I'm looking forward to it. I love all these people. I'd be remiss if I didn't see them annually at least, and some more. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a real big pleasure to watch this show grow. Uh, you know, we started coming around. It, it, it wasn't too big. And you know now we're talking about thousands of people here, right? Um, and so it's good to see it mature. It's exciting. Some of the keynotes and the general sessions and the data that they're going to provide, like the patient survey uh, data, is just invaluable. I'm real proud of the work Sheila and her team has done. I'm glad to be just a little bit a part of it and to continue to be for the next four years. Four years. Excellent. All right. So we're listening to the show today. What's something that comes to mind you want to shout out to the rest of our specialty pharmacists and people that work in specialty pharmacy to have something that they can follow up on? What do you want to bring to their attention? Well, sure. I mean, my primary role in this industry is to serve as a technologist. So if I were to give out, you know, one blanket statement of what you can enjoy here, what you should look at. You should look at where the uh, amplification of your ability to do a high-touch transaction and service point can be done with technology. How can technology amplify that for you? How can technology put your pharmacist in clinical roles as opposed to transactional, uh, more retail-like roles? Uh, It pulls them out of what they went to school to do, which was to make people better. Technology can reverse that course. There's a number of sessions here uh, throughout the week that are going to focus on the applications of those technologies in real-world ways. I would encourage you, don't sleep on the application of technology in your pharmacies. If, if If you're not dedicating time or resource to that, you will soon find yourself outflanked by the rest of the world don't let that happen to you. Luis Rodriguez, we always appreciate you. NASP 2023 here in Dallas. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. And, and you know, I didn't touch your mic the wrong way. Don't touch the mic. All the rules. I honored all, all rules. your rules. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
talk to us about how the conception and implementation of the company came to be and how specialty pharmacies can work with free market health. Yeah, so uh, the core of how we operate is kind of a marketplace model, right? And so on the one side of that marketplace, we have our health plan clients. So they're bringing, um, or they have a need to manage a specialty drug program for their members. And on the other side, we have our specialty pharmacies that participate in the platform. And so they're looking for fair, open access to referrals. They're looking for market-based pricing. Um, and I think the combination of that is a marketplace where uh, ultimately, the goal is to find the best fit specialty pharmacy for that specific member. And so everything we do is geared around getting that member to a pharmacy with a care model that fits their needs at a price that works for the payer, the pharmacy, and the member ultimately. So there's a lot of realization and there's a lot of data coming to the, um, the news, the market, the media about PBM reform and how the status quo is, is not scalable uh, because of the profit that's being sucked out of tax dollar, private insurance. And I don't, I'm not a vilifier, so I'm not going to sit there and say the three big PBMs are, are sitting there doing it on purpose, per se. But it's changing. And now a lot of the transparency of PBMs and pharmacy benefit managers and especially meds, how does free market health a contrast to the traditional PBM? Yeah, I think the way we look at it is um, maybe the old adage that the only constant is change. And so we see it as health plans need to manage a specialty drug program and legislation is going to change, the players are going to change, the incentives or the motives are going to change. And what we focus on is as a health plan, how do you run a sustainable specialty drug program regardless of what changes in the marketplace? And that's where we feel one of the benefits that our, our model brings to the table is the ability to adapt and change as the marketplace changes. And so we tend to focus less on maybe, say, the, the legislation or the stakeholders obviously being aware of it, but understanding that we need a platform and our, our folks on both sides of the marketplace need a solution that is sustainable, that does not rely too heavily on any one lever that exists at any given time. So with discount card programs that the public is, uh, you know, they don't really understand how they work per se, but they certainly do a great job at marketing um, new ways of getting your medications paid for and covered. I think of GoodRx, I think of Mark Cuban, Cost Plus Drugs. I even think of Kyle McCormick out of Pittsburgh who's running a pharmacy cash-based only. So talk to us about where free market is going to express and communicate to the public what is an option that's different from the status quo. Yeah, I think for us, it's, again, we anchor back to it being all about getting that member to a pharmacy that's best fit for their needs, right? And so if the member or the public may not even know about free market health, um, that's okay. Um, in a lot of cases, the pharmacy uh, should really be the primary contact of that member. The health plan client or the employer group that's offering that benefit to that member, the member should know that that's a quality program, right? But it doesn't necessarily have to always be about free market health. I think for us, we look at it in terms of how are we always driving at making sure the member's landing at the right pharmacy. It's a pharmacy that can take care of them. And it's really on a cost and quality basis. So the players like Mark Cuban, like Kyle Blueberry, like 
other cost plus models or even a discount card model as it touches specialty, um, which these days with more specialty generics, that is that crossover is is um, getting a little bit more robust. Um, but for us, they all have a role. Um, if pharmacies are able to get better acquisition costs for drugs, whether it's through Cuban, whether it's through a Civica, that's perfectly fine for us. If there's players that can meet that both quality and cost element, um, we see them as being you know, important players in the marketplace uh, only in those areas where you know, it makes most sense for them. Mark, what about um, being involved at the NASP? How is this meeting helping to advance your mission and um, how are you tied into the organization? Yeah, so, um, I mean, Free Market Health is a corporate member at NASP. Uh, we really appreciate what they do, what they do for specialty pharmacy. And uh, ultimately for us, this is an opportunity for us to connect with our specialty pharmacies that are either working with us or thinking of working with us, trying to figure out what this whole marketplace thing is. Um, and for us, uh, for me personally, as overseeing our technology and product work, we love the opportunity for feedback. Um, it is new, it is evolving, and so that stakeholder feedback that we get is so critical and important for us. Mark, we thank you for being part of the NASP 2023 Post Show, and we hope to have you down at the studios in Brownsville, Pennsylvania sometime. Yeah, sounds good. We'll see you back in Pittsburgh. Mike Baldzicki here at the NASP 2023 Mike, it's so good to see you. Hey, Todd, thanks for having me. Uh, so excited out here to be at the National Association of Specialty Pharmacy Expo 2023, uh, see colleagues, industry peers, uh, especially with uh, my position here at Premier uh, Pharmacy Services as their Chief Commercial Officer for Specialty Pharmacy and see all the intertwinings going on, not only around just typical specialty pharmacy drug trends and all those associated learning curves that we're all entrenching now, but also the technology. It's amazing to be at the exhibit hall and see all this technology-driven solutions around distribution, logistics, and just patient journey mapping as we continue to evolve the patient journey around specialty pharmacy, particularly rare disease and orphan drugs. The borders between sectors of pharmacy are now becoming invisible, and we see long-term care and specialty and community and infusion and a hospital system, the edges are, are becoming integrated. And the integration between long-term care and specialty means something to you because of your new director and leadership position. Talk to us about that. And um, as a Pharmacy Podcast Network member, I think it's important that the rest of our um, cohorts and associates realize there's a bigger picture here in pharmacy. There is, and I think just not a bigger picture, but your learning curve continues to evolve. And even myself being 24 years in this industry, uh, in my new position with Premier Pharmacy Services that is now a subsidiary of Polaris Pharmacy Services, which is the fifth largest long-term care pharmacy in the country. And it's amazing to see what we're going to try to create parameters around of the vertical integration that's happening within long-term care pharmacy and specialty pharmacy. Again, we're seeing that integration of chronic illness, high cost specialty drugs come into the LTC space besides your traditional specialty pharmacy channels that we also drive uh, within chronic illnesses and, and rare disease. So talk to me about the world of the senior that we're caring for in long-term care, assisted living, maybe even skilled. 
and how the communication and how the baton handoff is going to be happening between specialty and long-term care farms. Yeah, I think you know two things are going on there. Is one, we're seeing the increase of these high costs, especially pharmacy, chronic illness meds, come across that distribution arm within the LTC. So. You know, it's been happening over the last three or five years that everyone's saying, hey, what's this increase and how do we manage it, right? Um, because they're just not your normal oral meds that you're getting uh, across a, a typical LTC space. These are chronic, high-cost meds. So it requires a little bit of handling, education to the nurse, into the LTC facility. Besides, you know, again, with these patients getting infused probably with these uh, large, uh, different kind of drugs that uh, have high costs, but also rare disease, right? I mean, first of kinds that we're seeing that maybe a patient needs administered in their LTC facility. So it's a lot of education uh, between that baton pass of the nurse to nurse uh, transfer, besides just, again, working with pharmaceutical companies in this space to understand that there is vertical integration happening, not just LTC, but even moving LTC into the home. Yep. Because of the patient population increase, a large number of these patients sometimes just don't want to go to an facility. They want to be serviced at the home. Right. So what do you do with that? I think LTCs are really trying to figure this out. I think Polaris has really kind of you know jumped the gun of being innovative to you know really go after the specialty pharmacy channel, not only you know through acquisitions, but they really entrench themselves to understand there is a solution and how do we do that. Mike, we're excited that you're part of the network and to bring us um, a lot of content in the future where we're talking about these things in greater detail. If you're listening and you are a specialty pharmacist, if you're in long-term care pharmacy or consultant pharmacy, and you want to reach out to Mike to learn more about what he's doing, this is exciting stuff. Mike, what is the best way to reach out to you? Sure. You know, my, you know uh, we're up on the website. You can reach out at uh, mbaldzicki at uh, polarisrx.com. Please feel free to email me or my LinkedIn profile. I'm ready available to respond to messages, and you can get you my direct contact there. And uh, like I said, more and more content and uh, I would call it public relations media uh, coming out from uh, Polaris and Premier uh, Pharmacy Services from that angle. Well, we love working with you, Mike, and we appreciate you here. Thanks for being part of the NASP 2023 Post Show. No, as always, PPN always represents very well, along with uh, uh, NASHRO. And again, just awesome to see the, the, the abundance of attendance and just people willing to learn, embrace the specialty pharmacy support, and really evolve this channel even more. Thank you, Mike. Thank you.